Good to be here again this morning for one Sunday out of four. Uh, if you look at the reporter, it doesn't show anything there, but uh, something didn't get changed. I am scheduled at Bethany next Sunday, and brush your run the Sunday after that. So, um, just a couple of things here at the beginning. Uh, God's able to. Uh, divert prayers. Mark Hostetler is preaching at Raleigh Springs this morning and uh, he's um, um, I enjoyed hearing him Thursday night. Uh, those of you that have been here for a little bit know, remember Brother Mark when he was here. I remember him from when he was about yay big and um, it was unique Thursday night. He preached with no physical well, with no electric lights, because uh, the power went off at 7.15 or about thereabouts and didn't come back on to after church. So that was a little interesting. Byron's comment about somebody not being ready. Last weekend we were in Florida, and I was driving through Sarasota, and I saw somebody sitting on the front porch that I knew. So in Sarasota, you don't, you know, you just pull off the side of the road and talk. So I pulled off and talked to him, and he said, what are you doing here? He said, I thought Florida was for the nearly newlyweds and the nearly deads. And I said, well, I don't know how nearly dead I am. None of us do. That's not the message this morning, but I thought about that in relation to some of the things that we've gone through here. I prepared this before I looked at the Sunday school lesson, so this is in no way refuting what we heard this morning in the Sunday school lesson, because I believe what we studied this morning, and I also believe what I'm preaching about this morning, So, but it's not a refute to what we studied. Have you seen someone severely intoxicated? Maybe he's even lying in the gutter. We don't see that here maybe too much. I still remember that in Guatemala back in the 70s. Or maybe they're sitting on a grate in D.C. getting warm. And you thought or said... Or heard someone else say, but for the grace of God, that's me. You ever think that this morning? Or in the past? Maybe you observe a broken home or a situation of abuse and similar thoughts come to your mind. I've been there. How many of you failed or sinned in your life this morning? I think everybody's hand went up. I'm not sure. How many of you are sinners this morning? It smells like a trick question. <laughs> well, I... 
I understand. A couple of you raised your hands. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, okay? But I trust that you're living in Christ this morning. The title I have is Take Heed, okay? And that'll come from a scripture verse in a little bit. Now let's change focus a little bit. What do you think? What do you say? Or what do you hear when a fellow Christian falls? Think about it a little bit. Now I talked about seeing that person that's severely intoxicated in the gutter and we think, but for the grace of God, that's me. But what goes through our minds when a Christian falls? He should have known better than that. Right? And that's true. Okay? Can't he see what that's doing to others? Or maybe even, I would never do something like that. Really? I got news for you. You don't know what you would do in that same situation. Yeah, you think I wouldn't. Now let's go a little farther. If a Christian falls or fails or sins, whatever you want to term you want to put there why is it that we assume the worst when we don't know all the facts and just relax this is not my do you know all the facts sermon okay you don't know the story but often we assume the lowest common denominator. Now I'm not saying that we shouldn't expect more from the Christian, okay? They should be different. They have a different, should have at least a little different mindset. But we've got to be careful what goes through our mind, what we allow to stay there, and how we respond to that. You know, I've observed someone that's criticized a failure and before long they've been guilty of failure that's just as bad. Might not be the same failure, but something just as bad. Now this is just a, a minor thing, but my mind went back to a few years ago and I'm not calling this sin, okay? I think I told my family, I've got a meeting this evening at such and such a time. And at 8 o'clock that evening when I walked in the house, I remembered, hey, I was supposed to be at a meeting at 7 o'clock. Now, I had it in my mind earlier in the day. But I totally lost it. I just forgot about it. Sometimes when we criticize others, pretty soon we're 
guilty as well. I said earlier, I'm not condoning failure in the life of the Christian. My concern is that my response to failure in others could be just as much a failure as what they've experienced. Why can't our response be just like it is to that person in the gutter? But for the grace of God, that's me. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 said, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. But for the grace of God, that's me. When I witness failure in somebody else. I have no right to feel smug in where I am. Or to look down on that individual because of failure. John 8, 7. I didn't just look at, back at too much of the context here, but I think it was in relation to the woman caught in sin. Jesus' response was, he got up and he said to them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I've been guilty of casting stones, and I'm guilty, Okay. Hebrews 4.15 says, We have not an high priest, talking about Christ, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Christ went through temptations, whether it's what we've been victorious through or what we failed in. But there was a difference with our high priest. He did it without sin. He faced those things without sin. None of us can say that this morning. I have a lot of scriptures printed out here this morning, and so I'm going to read through some of them. Some of them I'll comment on. Some of them I won't make much comment. Galatians 6 says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness. Trespasses come. People fail. And we are called to restore that person in gentleness. How often have I criticized somebody that failed? How often have you heard people criticize people that failed? The rest of that verse says, Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If you think that just can't be me. 
You better beware. Because when we get to feeling like that, the devils will get busy. Matthew 7. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, but and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You might say, well, what I'm experiencing is totally different. Well, you know what? That plank and that speck could be from different trees, all right? Or it might even be from a different plant. Or it might even be just sawdust or a piece of sand. Or it might be a little speck of metal. I still remember, and I got something in my eye one time, and I went to my family doctor, and he didn't want to put anything in there to numb it because he was afraid I'd do more damage to the eye. He couldn't find anything. And I went home, and I was miserable. I went to an eye doctor or a specialist, and he first thing he did was he put a drop in there to numb it, and that felt good. But he said there was something in there that was about the same color as my some something on my eyeball, but he said it just looked like a cat went in there and scratched your eyeball. But I couldn't see clearly to help anybody very much anyhow. So my failure may be a totally of a totally different nature than the failure in somebody else. If you want to, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 10. I want to read a number of verses here. And uh, then I want to read some from the Amplified on it. And this gives a picture of the Israelites and what they experienced. Uh, starting at verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. Do you notice how many times he said with all them? All of them experienced the same things, the same blessings Verse 5, but with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. I'm not sure if I've shared this example here or not. I think it was probably the first year of Berea or maybe the second year of Berea. We were working on captions for the yearbook. And so what do you say when after lunch the children go out to play? Well, this was a verse that was submitted. People sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It wasn't approved. 
because of the context. It was fact. We sat down and ate and drank, ate our lunch, and then we went out to play. But it was the context of that scripture verse that caused the problem. All right, verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And that's where I got the title from this morning. This is going through what happened to the children of Israel, step after step after step. Why did they not get in to Canaan? And you all can respond to that. Why didn't the children of Israel that he's talking about here get into Canaan? They forsook God. They had Everybody had everything in common. They all went through the Red Sea. God directed them all by cloud of, and pillar of fire. They all got manna. They all got water from the rock. It says God wasn't pleased with some of them. I'm reminded of what it says in Romans 11, where it talks about the grafting in process. And sometimes we get to feeling pretty good about our status since we're grafted in. But the warning there is beware. You're grafted in because they were cut off because they didn't believe. God can cut you off if you don't believe too. Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Now that's a favorite verse of mine, verse 13. But I can't, I can't give the excuse the devil made me do it. You know, I've heard that one many times. No, the devil didn't make you do anything. But when you think you've got it all together, it says to beware. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand that take heed lest he fall. And I want to go back and read some of these verses um, well, let me, before I read that, I, I better follow my notes here a little bit. And I didn't put down where this one came from. Someone said it this way, Let him that thinketh he standeth. Presumption is the greatest of all dangers. He who realizes his danger will be on his guard. The safe way is conscience, conscious of weakness not to daily, not to dally with temptation. I better read that again. I messed it up. The safe way is conscious of weakness, not to dally with temptation. 
I remember working with a young man years ago, and he's, his statement was, you know, I feel comfortable going past this business now. I used to couldn't go past it without being tempted to go in. I said, John, you don't want to go there. Maybe the temptation isn't the same, but you don't want to buddy up to something that God's delivered you from. Second Corinthians 12, 8 says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. But for the grace of God, that's me. Now, we're talking that this is putting the grace of God in the positive sense. I'm going back to our response to that person in the gutter, that person that failed. But for the grace of God, that's me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When I realize I don't have it, That's when I'm strongest. When I think I've got it, that's when I'm weakest. The end of verse 10 says, For when I am weak, then I am strong, because that's when my relying on God is at its best, when I recognize I can't do it. I want to look at what the Amplified says in a couple of these verses. And I've got an Amplified Bible and a parallel Bible there, and I read it. It was from way back in the 1980s or 1970s. And, but I don't have it on Power Bible, so I couldn't copy any verses off, and it gets a little tedious for me to try to type out something that I'm looking over here and, and trying to keep my place. So I looked up the Amplified Bible. <laughs> I found out the Amplified Bible's changed pretty drastically in the last years. But then I was able to find the one that was right there. So I want to read what it says in the Amplified for a couple of these verses here, starting at verse 12. Um, let me back up to verse 11. Now these things befell them by way of a figure... As an example and warning to us, they were written to admonish and fit us for right action by good instruction. We in whose days the ages have reached their climax, their consummation and concluding period. Verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands, who feels sure that he has a steadfast mind and is standing firm, take heed lest he fall. For no temptation, no trial regarding, regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as, can, as man can bear, but... God is faithful. He's faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted. 
not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure, but with the temptation he will always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place, that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. Therefore, my dearly beloved, shun or keep away from, avoid by flight if need be, any sort of idolatry of loving or venerating anything more than God. So that tells me that temptations are coming. God's provided what we need. He's provided what I've needed every time. I've failed miserably. He's provided for those others that have fallen. He didn't let them down. They failed. I have no right to look down on them because of their failure. Maybe I didn't fall into the same sin they did. That's why it was interesting to me in our Sunday school lesson this morning. You know, we think about fornication and all those other things that were listed in those verses, but then this thing of, you know, the, these other things, they're not quite so bad. So if I'm guilty of that, then I'm still okay. They still fell off the deep end. Uh-uh. I'm just as guilty. What did it say there? And I wish I should have brought my quarterly along up here. Um, No whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Uh, let me back up one verse. Uh, verse 3 talks about fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let it not be once named among you, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now this doesn't go in maybe to the list that as deeply as some other things that we think are not too bad. Um, I'll let you look for those later. I don't have those in my notes this morning. I thought about the experience of Peter. Well, Peter gets the credit for this, okay? Matthew 26. This is what Jesus said, and I, you could pick it from any of the four Gospels. There's a little different variation. Um, you go to Mark, and it talks about the, the rooster crowing two different times, and you know, as I was thinking, well, why didn't Peter recognize it at the first crowing? But it says that after the second time, then he remembered. But I'm, I'm going to Matthew with this one this morning. Matthew 26, 31, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said unto them, 
said unto him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. That's a pretty good aspiration. No, it's a real good one. Not just pretty good. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So right there, we get, Peter gets the credit for it. All right? So I didn't read the rest of that verse yet. Somebody tell me what the rest of that verse says. And so said all the disciples. Huh. So where were the rest of them when Peter was denying Christ? They were gone. Verse 58, But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Verse 69, now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. When he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely... You also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. But for the grace of God, that's me. You know, we focus on Peter's failure. Maybe a little too strongly. Because the rest of them left too. Verse 75. Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him. Before the rooster crows you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. I think Peter found forgiveness. We see that evidenced in what we read in scripture. Maybe we need to quit focusing so much on the failure of that other individual and go out and weep bitterly because of our failure. I said I didn't have Mark in here. I do have just a little bit of Mark here that I want to, the Gospel of Mark that I want to read here. Uh, starting at verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. Next verse, the servant girl saw him again. And began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. He denied it again, and a little later those who stood by said to Peter again, 
Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. I'm not condoning failure this morning. But I am concerned how critical we get of people that fail. Because you and I are just as prone to that. And when I get to thinking that I would never do that, I'm on very dangerous ground. Or I wouldn't do something else that maybe isn't quite as bad. I'm still on dangerous ground. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening to the coming, hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to, to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Let me stop there just a little bit. Maybe my focus in those kind of situations ought to be Lord, help me to be found without spot and blameless instead of being so concerned about the failures of others. Verse 15, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as, unto, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people rest to their own destruction, as they, also, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Ye therefore, beloved, since ye know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked." But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I considered giving a double title. Take heed. Beware. You probably caught it in here in verse 17. Beware. 
lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in grace. But for the grace of God, that's me. And there again, going back to where I started. I want to close with a number of verses from Psalm 119. And I want to read verse 9 um, from two different versions. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. And then verses 10 and 11. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Let's have a song, please.